In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, you've heard of the Zapruder film, but have you heard of the other home movie that caught the JFK assassination on film? Gail Nix Jackson was in Daly Plaza on November 22, 1963, and she reveals shocking details about her grandfather's home movie. The thing is, none of the committees, not the Warren Commission, the House Select Committee, all the way up to the Assassination Records Review Board, not a one of them, Richard, studied the Nix film in its entirety. Only eight frames. This podcast is brought to you by Paranormal Contractors, a division of crime and trauma scene cleaners. If you suspect you have unwanted paranormal activity in your home or business, you need to call Paranormal Contractors, one 866 724-0800-1-866-724-0800. Check out their YouTube channel, Paranormal Contractors, for things that go bump in the night. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. The 55th anniversary of the JFK assassination is fast approaching, and all week, and part of next week, we're examining JFK and his murder from various perspectives. The granddaughter of Orville Nix is standing by. Orville Nix captured the motorcade and the fatal shots of the JFK assassination, but from the opposite angle from where Abraham Zapruder was standing. This footage was shot facing the grassy knoll. 
Now, before we get to that, a few quick emails I'd like to share. Hi, Richard. My name is Kevin. I discovered your work while listening to Talk is Jericho. I really enjoy the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone and soon discovered your other work. I listen to your shows just about every day at work on my iPhone. While I don't believe we agree on all things politically, I enjoy all your topics and you're a great interviewer and your episodes always make me think, which is the sign of a great podcast. Keep up the great work, Kevin, in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. Hi, Richard. My name is Todd, and I have been a big fan of yours for many years. I listen to The Conspiracy Show, Conspiracy Unlimited, and The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone on my iPad Mini while stationed overseas or while training in Cold Lake, Alberta. I'm currently a pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force, and your shows are like having a piece of home with me at all times. Please keep up the great work, and thank you so much for all you do. God bless your friend, Todd Kalewert of Calgary, Alberta. P.S. I'd also give my right arm to be ambidextrous. Go Flames, go! All right. First of all, Todd, thank you for your service, and thank you for your lovely email. All right, let's explore the other JFK assassination home movie. Everybody talks about the Abraham Zapruder film, of course. It's become synonymous with November 22, 1963. Uh, the Zapruder film is held up as the smoking gun. Frame 313, clear as day, showing the fatal headshot coming from the front, not the rear. Uh, frame 371, Jackie in her pink suit, clambering over the, uh, the trunk of the limo looking for a piece of her slain husband's shattered skull. Who can forget that? That's all part of the Zapruder film. But there was another film shot that day, another home movie reel shot in color, but from the opposite angle. It shows the grassy knoll in the background. And this film has an amazing backstory. The Zapruder film was doctored. Frames were switched. We know that. And the Warren Report acknowledges that. But everybody is so hung up on the Zapruder film, they've forgotten about this film, shot on a Keystone 8mm auto-zoom camera by an unassuming friendly giant, six foot six grandfather named Orville Nix. You're about to hear more about the man who shot that footage, what it showed, and most significantly of all, what happened to that film. Here to tell all is Orville Nix's granddaughter, Gail Jackson Nix, the author of Orville Nix, the Missing JFK Assassination Film, the unflinching true story of an ordinary man swept up in an extraordinary event. Hey, Gail, how are you? I am wonderful, Richard. Thank you for having me on your show. How do you feel when, when, when people describe your grandfather's film, the Orville Nix film, as the second most important film showing the assassination of President Kennedy? What a great question. What, what a great question. Well, okay. So the pride in me, which, you know, I'm really not supposed to do that, thinks, well, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who says it's the second most important? We've never even seen what the original shows. No one has seen it. It could be the most important. But this is all we have heard our whole lives. I mean, even my grandfather, I mean, it made him kind of feel badly about it. So I suppose we've become desensitized. Of course, uh, we're referring to uh, the Zapruder film, the and Zapruder that is film. held up, Abraham Zapruder's film held up as... I mean, but th this, to me, it's equally I important, because I mean, we need them both, because your, your exactly. grandfather's film shows the opposite angle of the Zapruder film. But before we get into that, uh, tell me about your grandfather. Oh, well, my grandfather, gosh, I, I'm... I'm very biased and, and subjective in what I'm about to say, but I loved him dearly. And, and he thought, he and our relationship was a very strong one in that I was the, 
eldest grandchild. And so, of course, he thought I was the smartest, most beautiful, most wonderful thing ever going, and which is great for a kid's ego, by the way. Every grandparent should do that with their grandkids. But um, my grandfather had a fourth-grade education, and I do believe for most of his life, he felt like the insecurities of that, he pushed them deep down inside. But I do believe he tried to make up for it in being a great husband and being a semi-pro golfer and making everybody at the General Services Administration, which was a government agency, um, making them happy, uh, never missing work ever, and just... I, I mean, and flirting with the ladies, okay. I mean, he did do that. But but he was very charismatic and had a lot of personality. So, you know, I, I just think he was most a wonderful, wonderful man. Now, he he was a, an air conditioning uh, engineer, engineer at the... It was oh, the, thank you. That's a nice <laughs> word. Engineer, yes, of course. So, and it's, he worked at the, the Terminal Annex building, which was located where in the Dealey Plaza? Okay, it would have been on the south side of Dealey Plaza. But I, 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 let me add this, Richard. He had only been transferred there like a month before. He, they had given him um, a promotion, and they also paid for him to get his GED at, at Southern Methodist University so he could get that promotion. So where he worked before was in where the FBI building was, and that's how he met Forrest Sorrells. But anyway, the Terminal Annex building is the big white building that you'll see in Dealey Plaza on the south side. And that's where actually um, Mr. Holmes, the postal inspector who was the last one to interview Lee Harvey Oswald, that's where his offices were. Um, many of the people that were interviewed for Mark Lane Rush to Judgment and very few were interviewed for the Warren Commission worked there and were watching the parade from there. And you mentioned your father's friendship with Forrest Sorrells and he, of course, was uh, the uh, Secret Service uh, agent ahead of of Kennedy's security that day. Now, uh, you you and your mom uh, were on your way to, to, to meet uh, your grandfather in right, Dallas. Right, and my grandmother. Yes, right. we were. And I was a bratty little kid. Yeah, you know, and I I can imagine because I, I have kids now and it really is true that when you're kind of bratty, you get it back ten times. I'm just kidding. My kids are great. <laughs> um, but anyway, I on, <laughs> on our way down, we had taken the bus and we're going to meet him because we, he was going to drive us home. We, we only needed one car. And the crowds were so thick. I, I, my goodness. I, I mean, there were people everywhere. And it was hard for um, a boisterous and um, rambunctious child, I mean, and a young mother and then a grandmother to navigate through the crowds. And right as about five minutes before we were supposed to meet him, of course, I had to go to the restroom. And so we made our way across the street from the Adolphus Hotel to the little Tencent store there, a dime store is what my grandmother called it, and we sat down in a booth and waited, I mean, for the motorcade to come by. And so, I mean, you missed it. I mean, you missed... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and thankfully so for, for... How old were you at the time? I, five. Yeah, that's I not something five. you need yeah. to witness. That's not something yeah. you need to have witnessed. Yeah. So. Well, you know, where we were sitting, Richard, I mean, where we were, um, the shots didn't happen until, like, maybe... Four blocks later, I mean, it was very close, uh, uh, but but not where we were sitting. You know, where we were on um, Main Street. Right now, uh, so tell me about again where your grandfather was standing, and uh, he's got a, a Keystone eight millimeter camera with him. 
Yes. And, and he's standing yes. where exactly? Okay, he is standing on the corner of Maine and Houston. And Maine is the street that, that the parade had gone down all the way through Dallas, but then it took the turn on Houston and then another turn on Elm, which, of course, where right. the terrible thing happened. So um, he was across, very far across. And so his keystone had an auto zoom on it. That's why it looks like it's closer than where he is really standing. Right. And it's also kind of dark, but that's because he had indoor film. He had the wrong kind of right. film. Right. Right. He was using the wrong kind of film. But I want to tell you something that I have since found out doing my research um, about where <laughs> my grandfather's film could be and where it, what it could show. Um, Moses Weitzman, who is um, a wonderful, wonderful man and still is around, who worked for FX Studios, told me, he said, Gail, normally using indoor film should bring more light in because it is indoor film. And he said, I've never understood why people talk about the Nick film using the wrong type film when essentially it should have been overlightened. But if you'll notice, Richard, have you seen the film before? Yes, yes. Okay. You see how dark it is? That's it. Yeah, exactly. Odd, isn't it? That's so, odd, isn't it? So you're you know? saying that, that it shouldn't be that dark because no. the, because the, I guess the, it's auto zoom, but it, the exposure would have maybe uh, been automatic as well, I'm guessing, and maybe it would have, right. they should have compensated right, right, right. for that. And is, the type of film it is, I mean, automatically lets more light in because of the, I guess, I mean, I am hmm. no photo expert at all. I, I'm just going by what Mr. Weisman told me. Right. Okay. So, uh, what when we say that uh, you know the the, the Orville Nix film shows the opposite angle of the Zapruder film. So what? Uh, well, first of all, there are like three sort of clips. There's the right. the, uh, the 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 parade, uh, the motorcade uh, before it turns onto uh, onto Elm. Correct. Exactly. And then we see the actual uh, shots being fired That's and nice. Jackie. Crawling out under the the hood and and um, uh, Secret Service agent Clint Hill jumping onto the moving car. Of course, all iconic images. Uh, but right. so, but what else do we see in? We in, see the grassy knoll in its entirety, and we see the picket fence area, and we see the um, motorcade zooming off to Parkland Hospital, and then my grandfather pans back. So. We see all those things, and and I don't know if you want me to go into this yet or not, but the thing is, none of the committees, not the Warren Commission, the House Select Committee, all the way up to the Assassination Records Review Board, not a one of them, Richard, studied the next film in its entirety. Only eight frames. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, yes. we will get into that. Uh, we will definitely uh, get yes. into that. Your grandfather really didn't know what he... He wasn't sure what he had until several no, days later. not at all. Not at all. Um, the Keystone camera has a grip on it. And he was so white-knuckled. Well, it, not at the beginning. Okay, when you see that first part of his film where it shows Houston. When, <laughs> I laugh because uh, the reason why he left, why he moved to go, get, go down Main Street a little further, is because he had gotten... A senator, Ralph Yarbrough, on there waving at him, and he really didn't like Ralph Yarbrough. <laughs> so I, I, it upset him a little bit, and he was like, oh, I don't, I don't want a picture of, of him. I want to see the president. So that's why he went back down Maine. But by the time he had walked, you know, the other way towards, and actually my grandfather was quite tall. Six foot so six, my his, word. He oh, was yes. A, yeah. So his walking would be like you and I probably running. Yeah, like you know? The human crane he, shot. Right, right. And he could take large strides. 
so by the time he started walking down Maine, or like I said, running, um, there the the shots were occurring. I, I mean, they were happening, and he was watching people dive bomb all around him, and so he was white knuckling um, the grip on the camera. And you know, he didn't even realize that he had assassination footage. He knew he had Ralph Yarbrough. He knew that. But he didn't know that he had the assassination footage. Let's uh, talk a little bit again about the angle uh, that uh, the perspective that uh, Orville okay. uh, captured on okay. this film. Okay, it, it has been my my grandfather's film has been called everything from the conspiracy film, well, to like you had mentioned at the beginning of the program, the second important film, but. Um, I, because it does show the grass, you know, there was a an early, early, late 63, early 64, a researcher named Jones Harris. Yes. Who um, had access to all, I mean, because of who he was, he was Ruth Gordon's son. The the um, Wonderful actress, actress, wonderful actress. Harold, yes, and, yes. Harold and Maude, one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was his, that's his mom. So he had access that many of us don't have to people in the industry, in that industry. And he was able to procure some time with UPI, who had bought the film from my grandfather, to see and analyze um, the next film. And he took it to this most wonderful man, Bernie Hoffman, who later became just renowned for his photo work and his photography work, right up there with Ansel Adams. Mm. And um, the both of them had seen a figure on the pergola area, and you know what I'm talking about, the pergola yes, area. That's yes. where the crosshatch is of the, okay. And in that, they could see what looked like an estate car, which we later found out was called Honest Joe's car, and a man that they feel like they see leaning up against that car. Now, they showed this to UPI, who was so excited because they figured the next film, I mean, like, Time Life had called it a nuisance film. Well, UPI thought it was just nothing more than just, oh, well, we got something. And um, they were all excited. They thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, we're, we're about to make real big names for ourselves with this film. So they sent it to iTech, who studied those frames and um, declared that it was shadows and leaves. Right. Branches now, on the and, wall of the pergola. Right. Exactly. Now, an interesting fact is that iTech was owned by C by a CIA man named Frank Lindsay. Oh, isn't that And most of their contracts were CIA contracts. And I didn't know this. I mean, I, no one in my family knew this. And, you know, Maurice Schoenfeld, who worked for UPI, said he didn't realize it either. But Frank Lindsay was the man in the CIA who worked on the Kim Philby case, if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. Anyway, I'm not, quite honestly. A, a spy, okay. a, an espionage um, case that had to do with you 2 and Gary Powers, all these things. Ah, okay. I, well, that all yeah. ties in. <laughs> that yeah, all ties into so, the history of Oswald, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. I, it's just very odd to me. I, uh, the more research and the more I found, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I, no wonder it's missing. No wonder the film is missing. And anyway, um, I'm sorry. Let's get back to what I was talking about. The classic gunman Im image is what was called Jones Harris, that figure that he saw. Right. The, so, the second the classic the, gunman image. Or the second and, gunman on the grassy knoll, as they say. Right. And, well, and, and it has been debunked by most everyone as being, ah, oh, well, that's just cognitive dissonance. People are just seeing what they want to see. I mean, there, there's not 
there's nothing there. But, you know, it's odd to me that UPI in later years, like after Jones Harris and Bernie Hoffman had done this work, when you would see copies of the Nick film everywhere, I have never seen an original, and I'm 56 years old. I've never seen my grandfather's original film. But um, in later copies, that part would be cut out. You wouldn't see the top of the grassy knoll. Interesting. That pergola area. Well, here's the thing. Now, first of all, I I, I find it fascinating that back in 1965, uh, iTech or anybody had the capability to do computer enhancements of film. I had no idea we had that technology. Uh, Oh, Richard. Richard, Richard, you and I could talk forever about this one now. I, 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 Hawkeye Works, which only <laughs> was revealed to the American public last year as even existing, had optical capabilities then. I mean, that, that we, of course, are no big deal to us now. Anyone with a computer and some expensive software could have, you know, that now. Sure. But they had it then. That's 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, this is the government paying for this, and they've got an extensive um, bank account. Sure. I've, I've, I mean, they, can, they can afford to do these things. I've always said, and it's just like Ben Rich said at Skunk Works, we have the you know capabilities that are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination. We really do. And I I think that's why my husband and I both like the um, some of the better... Uh, sci-fi movies or dystopian movies because you know just like Jones Harris had access to some of the things the the media during that time there are other directors in our time too that do have that access too right they're telling us the have truth knowledge or, or privy to those things that's right you know? McLuhan said we tell each other the truth through films and we lie to each other through television oh my goodness yes it's the truth it's so, the truth uh, now the thing is, okay, so they could dismiss the 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 second grassy Noel gunman uh, as you know shadows on the on the wall, as Plato said. Uh, right. But with, when you put that together with, I mean, your your grandfather went around and he started asking. I mean, he thought the shots came from the grassy Noel. He asked oh, Forrest Sorrels. He asked from Forrest Sorrels. Right. And 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 the head of the <clears throat> the Secret Service that day. And what did Forrest Sorrels say? Yeah, that's where he thought they came from too. Right, but he asked other people. Uh huh. Just every, uh-huh. just about everyone he asked thought that the- everyone he asked said the same thing. Said, "Well, of course that's where they came from." And his friend, his not his friend really, it was more his supervisor, J.C. Price, there at the Terminal Annex Building, which you can see his Warren Commission testimony in there, and you can see him on Mark Lane's Rush to Judgment. Um, he said, "You know, Orville." If we ran our business like <laughs> the Warren Commission is running their business, we'd all be out on the breadline. I, 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 he said, everybody knows that's where the shots came from. Everybody, And, you know, the thing is, Richard, oh, my goodness, I just get off, so keep me on track, okay? Um, <laughs> the thing is, there were many shots that day. I mean, everyone wants to say there were three or two or three. My grandfather said he heard five. And other people did, too. And it doesn't mean that just because there was someone on the grass, you know, that's who shot Kennedy. I, he could have missed. Lee Harvey Oswald could have missed. Sure. I mean, there, there were people. I, I just think that we all need to kind of wake up and say, look, there were people everywhere. I, I mean, it's not just we're not just talking about the school book depository, nor are we just talking about the grassy knoll. I mean, that, of course, is where my grandfather felt they came from, as did so many other witnesses. You know, well, you why know, with, else would the police have run up there? With, well, with the triangulation and so forth, I'm, I've, right. I've often joked, I think the only people that didn't have a gun that day were Kennedy and his wife. 
<laughs> and my grandfather, but, but his right. keystone had a grip on it, which is kind of like a gun. So I, <laughs> there you, you go. know. <laughs> so uh, let, let's continue on in, with the timeline. So uh, after your, I mean, your your grandfather again didn't know what he had. So the next, I mean, he went back to Daly Plaza a few days later. In his... Oh no, no, no! The next morning. He oh, the next morning. To show my grandmother. Yeah. Okay. He wanted to show my grandmother what she had missed because of their bratty grandkid me. I, I that she couldn't get down there. So yeah, he wanted to show her where where he, you know, where he was, where he was standing. And all the areas, and he even went up to the school book depository because by obviously uh, Friday night, it, you know, it's nonstop news. It's twenty-four hour news, sure. talking about how the shots came from the school book depository, and um, yeah. So he went back that next morning and took some more film, and he looks down at his view, the footage, you know, that shows the footage, right. how much footage has been taken, and he realizes he's still got footage. So he's like, oh, well. My, I don't want my wife to gripe at me about buying any more film. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll just keep using it. And I'll take pictures of the kids later or I'll do whatever. He went to a football and game in, in, uh, he, as the well. The next weekend. Yeah. My grandfather, that assassination footage was in his camera for a week. Wow. Yeah. 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 So my dad called him. Um, they had canceled all the football games. And you know Texas. We're a big football state. Friday so, Night Lights. Uh, they, yeah. And so they had canceled all the football games and moved them and doubled up like the next weekend. And so my mother's brother had a girlfriend that was a majorette or something. And um, he called um, my dad and said, could you go take pictures? I mean, your, your dad's got a film, got a camera. Could you go take pictures of my girlfriend because she's performing? And my dad was tired. I mean, here's a young father of three and working three jobs. And so he calls my grandfather and he said, Dad, if, can you go take pictures? Uh, if you still got film, would you go take them? And my grandfather was like, well, I want to be home in time to watch my wrestling. But okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> and And he went down there to the football game, didn't even know who he was supposed to be taking pictures of, and looked down after he was finished and all his film was gone. So he dropped it off. At Dynacolor on his way home, didn't think any more of it. Nothing more of it. You try telling kids and today about film processing places. <laughs> no oh idea. Yeah, that's true. That's true, isn't it? They would have to take them to labs and and drop them off and get them like two or three days later. Sometimes a week. I mean, it didn't happen in a hurry. And anyway, he he gets home. He's still in time to watch his wrestling. Watches his wrestling and falls asleep. And the phone rings in the middle of the night. And he answers the phone, and they're like, Mr. Nix? And my grandfather's like, ugh. I mean, you know how you are in the middle of the night when you get a phone call. You're scared that somebody's hurt in your family. or Sure. It's you know, the worst, it, it the worst feeling in the world. Right, right. And so they said, well, we thought you, you had an assassination footage here that we had missed and that we had gotten lost, And it, but you need to come down here because the FBI has issued this, um, I suppose, some sort of edict that we have to turn over every film that shows the assassination to them. But you're our customer, and we want you to see it before we do that. So my grandfather's like, well, maybe they're just thinking it's what he, you know, because he still didn't realize that he had assassination footage. He thought maybe they were just talking about <laughs> Ralph Yarbrough. Right, and so right. he called my dad and, and in the middle of the night, too, and went over and picked him up, and they both went down to the Dynacolor lab. And it's just a big white wall, Richard, just not even a screen. And they played it for him over and over. And my grandfather was astounded. I had tears in his eyes. He was upset. I mean, he couldn't believe it. I I mean, that you could see 
the the kid the uh, president being killed and and Jackie in the hole. It, it was. He told me one time, as it you know before he died, that was probably one of the worst nights of his life. I mean, seeing right, all that. Right. So, but it also um, sealed your father's place in or your grandfather's place in history. Yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. And you know, Richard, I don't want to get philosophical or sentimental, or but you know what? I believe that things happen for a reason. Likewise. I, he likewise. was meant to be there. Absolutely. I, I mean, in filming that film. Hey, friends, if you've been enjoying Conspiracy Unlimited, and if you're a fan of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show, why not consider becoming an official supporter? Just go to patreon.com forward slash The Conspiracy Show and find out how you can donate and help me and my team continue producing all of this great content. There are three support tiers to choose from. The Truth Seeker at $10 a month. The Whistleblower at $20 per month and The Star Chamber at $50 a month. Donors gain access to exclusive monthly live chats with me. You'll also be eligible for monthly draws for fabulous show and podcast merch. Patreon.com forward slash The Conspiracy Show. Your support is vital and greatly appreciated. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Gail Nix Jackson is here, granddaughter of Orville Nix and the author of The Missing JFK Assassination Film. This edict uh, went out to all the film processing labs, and your grandfather's film of the JFK assassination uh, was handed over uh, to the right. FBI. Right. And well, but it was handed over by my grandfather. Right. So and why? Him. Because he was a good patriot. You know. Sure. He yeah. He said he wanted to do anything he could to help figure out or help find out why this happened and how. And of course, in our hometown. We were all born and raised here. My grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, me, my my brother, sister, my kids, yeah. all from Dallas. You know, it, it was a, a horrible thing. Well, it was a horrible thing to happen, but an even more horrible thing to happen in Dallas when it's your hometown. Exactly, you know? uh, exactly. You know that that what a wonderful city and to be sort of forever known as you know that the place where Kennedy was shot. Now, let me ask you. This is an aside, and and it's I don't know apropos of nothing perhaps, but you know it's interesting that your your grandfather was filming Kennedy just before or after. Uh, uh, Nellie Connolly, the governor's wife, says to to to, to Jack, you, "You can't say Dallas doesn't love right. you, Mr. President." And then that happens. Right? Um, Isn't that? Oh, oh, it gave me chills when you just said that. But, I, I, but but I mean, how did your how did your granddad? How did your family feel about Kennedy being Texans? Well, okay, <laughs> my grandfather wasn't a very big politico at any at, at all. Honestly, I mean, he didn't like politicians, didn't like politics, but he did appreciate and like Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy. Now, my dad, being the younger, rebellious, you know, son, was a Goldwater man and was always trying to talk my, my grandfather into voting Republican and Goldwater and all those things. Isn't that interesting um, how he said the rebellious one would be the conservative? I know. Yeah, the irony of it all, isn't it? And, uh, of course, he could never convince my grandfather to do that. But, yeah, he, they were very upset. And they 
were glued to the television station that weekend, like everyone else in America and the world, for that matter. I mean, we're watching every single thing. And um, at one point, my grandfather was so upset. And now this is before the film. This is before he had realized he'd taken the film. And um, they were talking about how Lee Harvey Oswald had taken the shots from the Texas School Book Depository. And my grandmother looked at him and said, you know, um, Orville. You know, I, I don't see how you can say that the shots came from the grassy knoll and they've caught this man red-handed. Because, you know, you're going to believe everything that the government tells you. You're going to believe your police department. You're going to believe why. You would not even, I mean, that's the furthest thing from anyone's mind, that your government's going to lie to you. Sure. I, I mean, especially during that time. Yes, this is before Watergate. This is before. Come on, you know. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and my grandmother was like, well, <laughs> Come on, Orville. I mean, I, the Dallas Police Department, you know how good they are. I mean, pff, now we know now, really. But back then in 63, you know how good they are. Well, There's no way. Your mayor, was, I, your mayor was the brother of uh, uh, CIA. The <laughs> right. Who had just been fired. Right. Now, um, uh, let me ask you. Uh, okay, so he turns the film over to the FBI and he, and, uh, with his camera. They wanted the camera as well. Oh, yes. What did yes. they do with the camera, the FBI? They kept it and kept it and kept it longer. And my grandfather was starting to get very nervous and was having my mother type letters to them saying, okay, I need my camera, I need my camera. And, you know, all these things are in the Warren Warren Commission and in his files, too. It's really funny. Uh, All the letters that um, my mother had sent to asking where the camera is. And when they finally gave it back to him after five months, Richard, five months, freaking months um it was in pieces they gave it to him in a box and my dad and he went to go pick it up and um my dad noticed as he was going out to the car that he could hear things jostling around in it and he said dad did you give him other things besides your camera and he goes no they just got my camera and so they get in the car and they open it up and there it is in pieces the spring which is the mechanism that does the timing is all bent um, the viewfinder is off. I mean, it's just in pieces. And now, okay, my grandfather thought of himself as this great photographer, okay? This is the same man who used the wrong film and the wrong lens and all. But he thought of himself as a great photographer, and he was livid. I, I mean, <laughs> my dad has told us this story, and my grandfather, too, so many times. He, he, my grandfather used curse words that my dad had never heard before, and especially coming out of his own dad's mouth. What the heck do they think I am here? I, what, no wonder they had it so long. And da, 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 da. So he marches back into the FBI office and says, no, this will not do. And look at my camera. How could you do this? They immediately call the FBI and get it past Hoover to say, yes, we'll fix it for him. And I think that... The, the bill to have it fixed was like five dollars and seventy three cents in sixty three you know, you know what I mean it wasn't that much to put it all together, but the point here is Richard, once a spring is bent you don't re you, the spring cannot be fixed again, so in essence, that camera could never ever be used again to recreate what my grandfather saw all right, so uh the original he takes. To uh, to UPI, UPI sells it to them for five thousand dollars. That's a lot of money fifty years ago. Oh well, no, I'm sorry, I I just misspoke. He took it to Time Life. Time Life it paid for his trip, so 
that's where he went first. Okay. And when they when he went up there and they watched it over and over and over, and at that point, that's when he said, you know, this looks different. This didn't what I remember seeing, but he didn't think anything of it. Um, anyway, Time Life when they finally turned around to say to him, and in their big suits and in their Eames chairs, and they said to him, Mr. Nix, we look at this film as a nuisance film, and we're willing, since you came so far from Texas, we're willing to give you $3,000. Now, you have to understand, Richard, by this time, um, the the news has come out about how much money the Pruders had been paid, and my grandfather thought, well, okay, if mine is showing the other side and it's not as clear, surely mine is worth half of what his is worth, you know? But what did the Pruder forget? Um, essentially $150,000 in, wow. in 63. But, um, the, the public was told that it was 25000 and that he had donated that to Mr. Tippett's widow, Officer Tippett's widow. Um, James Wagonvord, uh, who was the man that introduced my father and my grandfather to the Time Life executives, and who now is a dear friend, I talk to him often, um, said that that's not the truth. He is someone you all want to talk to at some time. He knows. He, he's like a Time Life whistleblower. Right. right. And, and I, again, things happen for a reason. While I was writing this book, he and I, he called me. I, and don't you think that's just odd? I, 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 and he said, I remember them saying these things to your grandfather, saying we called it a nuisance film. And he said, I looked up at this big Texan. <laughs> and I, my blood drained from my face because I thought, okay, he's either going to have a heart attack as red as he was turning, or he's going to go all John Wayne on these guys. And honestly, <laughs> he said, there was a part of me that wanted him to go all John Wayne. Why did they consider it a nuisance film? <laughs> I, I don't know why they ever said that. I don't even know why they said that. I guess because it it wasn't as close. You know what I mean? It's not as detailed as the Zapruder film is, but it was the wrong type film and it was darker and I guess they just figured it just wasn't worthy of anything. So what did he when he when your grandfather noticed immediately there was something different than when he had seen it at Dynacolor uh, once he got it, the original back from the FBI took it to Time Life. What was there anything in particular he thought was different? Did he think Here's there were frames frames were Here's missing? Told us. Yeah that's, that's what he told us. He said it looks like there's something missing and it's jumpy and it's darker. Those are the only things we ever got. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I, I, none of us in our family are photo experts by any means, but it's kind of like writing a book or painting a picture. Taking a film when it's yours, you, you notice little minute details that maybe someone else wouldn't. You right. know what I mean? And there was something about it that he felt was different, though he could never put his finger on it. So... He just said it just looked different. Right. That, that's all he ever said. It so just jumping ahead, I mean, he took it to, to UPI. They paid five thousand, and and uh, right. sort of in it. They were waiting for him at the bottom of the stairs <laughs> when he left Time Life. Oh, in is a, that right? In a huff. Is yeah. that right? So yeah. So uh, the the upshot was that you got the film back in what nineteen ninety nineteen eighty eight something I like did. that. I did. I tried. I began in nineteen eighty eight such a nice man that was working for UPI said you are absolutely right in 63 copyright laws were 25 years so yeah we were more than happy to give it back to you and he was so kind and two days later when I hadn't heard back from him I called and they said he's no longer with the company they fired that man for helping me wow isn't that horrible and so they said we're sorry Miss Nix Jackson I, I talked to some other new attorneys there and we're sorry Miss Jackson I you know, it, 
the copyright law changed in 77, so you've got to wait another two years. But at that time, yes, you will get it back. You will get all the... Well, UPI at that time was no longer UPI. It was called Worldwide Television News, WTN. They had taken all of UPI's holdings. So in 1990, when they finally gave me the green light to go get my things, um, I sent Robert Groden, Gary Mack, who is now the archivist at the Sixth Form Museum, suggested that I have Robert Groden go get it because he lived in Pennsylvania. So he went up there and retrieved all of the copies and brought it back, and that's when we realized there was no original there. I mean, I have no idea how many years it's been missing now. I will tell you that since I have been on this quest, I have narrowed down the window to where it came up missing between 73 and 76, which is how Select Committee. <clears throat> but it's also the time that Robert Groden was working on it for executive action and that Mo Weitzman saw Red Bandana Man. It, it, all these things happened during those three years. Right, right. And Very strange. Mark Lane, um, your, your, your grandfather appeared in, in his documentary, Rush to Judgment, in 1967. Right, right. And he did one other thing after that, and that was it. He wouldn't even go to Garrison's trial. But it's interesting because while your grandfather explained he thought the three shots came from the grassy knoll, he said he was satisfied with the Warren Commission's conclusion. Oh, right. He worked for the government. He was not about... He lived through the Depression. You know, he liked playing poker. He liked buying film. He liked my grandmother not griping at him about money. There was no way... He was going to do anything to upset his job with the government. Not going to happen, you know? Not, and it, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. So, I understand it totally, you know? So, in your quest to find the original and so forth, and then this led you into investigating the event that you missed by, you know, mere moments, I guess, or because of a... Right. Uh, where, where did this lead you exactly? And where are you now in terms of what you think happened on November 22nd? Well, we all have our opinions, and, and we all... I will tell you first off, Richard, I have always believed my grandfather. He had no reason to lie. And he stood up there against CBS. He said what he said to Mark Lane. He said what he said to Forrest Sorrells. Always the same. He never changed that the shots came from behind what he called the stockade fence, which we know is the picket fence area. And... In my research and in my findings and in talking to Moses Weitzman, that is exactly where he saw a gunman. Right, right. It was behind the stockade fence, the picket fence area. That's exactly where he saw one. Now, why, tell me, pray tell, I don't understand. Why would UPI, which they did, by the way, why would they not make a bigger deal out of it than this? They sent it to JPL. JPL, and I have spoken with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which was a division of NASA. I've spoken with the man who worked for JPL during that time, and he told me we didn't get a whole film. We just got frames. Well, that doesn't even make sense, but it's the very same thing that the House Select Committee, Doctors Clyde Snow and Paul Rutling, it's the very same thing they told me. It's the very same thing the indices say in the Warren Commission. It's like it's a, it's like it's a rote script. That they, I mean, that everyone is supposed to say, yes, we just um, looked at or analyzed eight frames of the next film. 
why didn't anyone look behind the picket fence area? Why did they not look, you know, at Gary Mack's badge man? I mean, why did none of that happen? Because it is the Knicks film that would have shown or could have shown any of those things. It may not show anything. It may not, Richard, if we were to ever find the original. But it could have. And, and these people had it at their disposal at a time with the right equipment, with the right funding, where they could have looked at it. And no one did. Now, why is that? What do you... Uh, um, I know it's rhetorical. I know. I, I, I just get so passionate. I get so upset about it. I, I sure. You know. Well, I mean, an entire generation uh, and, right. and more have and, and continues, you know, to scratch their heads. And, and But, you know, here we are uh, 51 years later. Uh, and are you, have you drawn any conclusions about Oswald's involvement? Yes. I, well, I always have. I, 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 here's how I look at it. I do believe this man was part of all of this in a covert way. I believe that he got in over his head. But as far as shooting the president, knowing what we know about a man like Kirkano, if even that was the rifle used, um, knowing what we know about him, I, I just don't see him being, I mean, he may have taken a shot, even though there was no gun residue on his on his cheek, which there should have been. Not unless he I'm, shot him with curtain rods. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I will tell you, too, I am dear friends with Buell Frazier. I, I believe him, too. His story has never changed over the years. I, I mean, I, I don't know. And he says that he doesn't think that Oswald did it. I, I believe that Oswald was part of this. I, I don't find him to be a hero by any means. I don't. But I do believe he really was a patsy. I do. And, and I believe that there were shots from the Knoll area. And you know what? I, some of the um, trajectories and people who know much more about physics and geometry than I do have suggested and have proven to me, because I'm not a dumb blonde, I mean, well, okay, some people might think so, I don't think I am, <laughs> that the Daltex building, yes. which is where the perfect, perfect location right. across the street, exactly. the, the Daltex building. Exactly. And they found a shell on the roof, of course. Exactly. So I, you know, I, this was a huge, this is, I, I, Oliver Stone did something great, his movie, there are lots of... I have lots of issues. They used some of your granddad's film in, in JFK. He did. Yeah, yeah he did. I, I love... The best thing that happened about his movie is that it opened the JFK Assassination Act. That is the very best thing that happened because of that movie. And that the ARRB weren't able or didn't go further than what they could have, that is upsetting. I think we've made great strides in the last, say, 20 years in sort of unraveling this mystery. Hopefully, oh, it, won't, hopefully it won't take us another 50 uh, to resolve it all because we are racing against the undertaker, of course, uh, in terms of, you know, witnesses and so forth. Listen, I, exactly. uh, um, congratulations on Orville Nix, the missing JFK assassination film, Gail. Oh, thank you, Richard. And thank you so much for having me on. If Will you let people know that I... If they do have any idea of where the film could be, to please contact you or me. We'll do. We'll put out that call. All thank, right. Thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. Gail Nix Jackson. What a courageous woman. Uh, she's dedicated her life not only to trying to find the original undoctored ver version of her grandfather's film, but also uh, dedicated her life to bringing honor to her grandfather. Gail, Orville is looking down on you, and he is so proud. All right, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to fill you in on what's coming next on our continuing JFK assassination series. He wasn't a madman. 
The history of rock and roll is littered with suspicious deaths and the unexplainable. He thought, I must get a message to Buddy Holly. I must tell him and warn him about this. Lennon, Hendrix, Presley, Jim Morrison, the truth told by the experts and the people there. Revelations that will blow your mind. The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone with Richard Serrett. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Westwood One Podcast app. Next time on Conspiracy Unlimited, JFK's mistress and the CIA conspiracy to murder JFK, Mary Pinchot Meyer, and their vision for world peace. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>